Welcome to Beside the Burn for Monday the 19th of June. All this week we're going to be looking together at the end of Acts chapter 2. And from verse 42 to 47 we have a wonderful description of what church should be like. It describes to us what the early church was like but it also applies to us today. And we've got to remember as we read this once again that this is all coming in the aftermath of the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has just arrived. Peter has been explaining what happened on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people came to faith because uh, the Holy Spirit worked through Peter's um, explanation. And now we have this description of what the early church was like as all these new believers came together, as they met together, as they worshipped together, as they became the body of Christ, the church here on earth. So each day we're going to take a verse from the end of Acts chapter 2 and then we're also going to take a number of verses from elsewhere in scripture which help explain what the church was doing and help to tell us how we as a church can function and how we can serve God. So what I hope uh, that you will find this week as we uh, spend uh, these few minutes each day just thinking about God's word is that it will challenge us about our commitment to church and what we do as a church. The church isn't just meeting together on a Sunday but there's much more to church than that. There's the fellowship, there's the togetherness, there's the helping one another. We don't go to church as individuals, but we come together as a community in church. So let's read together and then let's go off into these other verses to see what we can learn. So we're told about the early church in Acts 2 verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So what can we learn about this? Well, first of all, we're told that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And we learn a little bit more about that from Acts or from Matthew 28. You remember when Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, and in Matthew 28, he gives his disciples what we often refer to as the Great Commission. He is commissioning them to go out into all the world, to take this message of the gospel and to share it with others. And Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here we have Jesus giving the commission, and it's a commission to the first apostles, but it's also a commission to each one of us, that this is what we are to do with our lives. We're to follow the same example. Yes, we will have other jobs. Yes, we will have other commitments. But overall, this is the plan that we're to live out. We are to go and we are to make disciples. The disciples aren't just a group of 12 that nobody else can come into. Anyone who follows Jesus is to be a disciple. And as we saw at the end of last week, Whenever these people came to faith, the 3,000, they were then baptised. And so the apostles are following Jesus' teaching. And 
All of this is to be done in the name of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying this before we have the book of Acts and the coming of the Holy Spirit. The disciples are being told that once Jesus has left that they have to wait on the Holy Spirit coming. And they are to then go and teach everything that I have commanded you. And Jesus promises to be with them and to help them to the end of the age. So here is Jesus, or here are the disciples teaching following the command of Jesus, fulfilling the commission that he has given them. Then we also see that as they meet together, they have fellowship. They are together. They are as as one. They help one another. And we'll see more about that over the next few days. But then also they break bread together. And whenever we look at the references for this verse, whenever we go to that little phrase, breaking of bread, it takes us to Matthew 14, verse 19. If you see the, if you have a Bible with those little reference numbers in them and then down the centre column, those reference numbers take you to other passages that will take you to Matthew 14 and verse 19. And that takes us to the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus providing for those 5,000, whenever there didn't seem to be enough to go round, whenever all that was there were the um, five loaves of fish, or the five loaves of bread and the two fish, and Jesus takes them and he breaks them, and he, he in giving thanks, has enough to feed all. So in Matthew 14 we read, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. And if you remember, they had 12 baskets left over. And it reminds us that when Jesus breaks the bread and provides, he provides more than we could ever want. And he does it here and the disciples then in this early church are meeting together. They're breaking bread, they're eating together, they're providing for one another. But it also then makes us think of the, the um, Lord's Supper in the upper room. Whenever Jesus broke the bread and gave thanks. And all these little symbols are being repeated and reminding us how Jesus provides. And how in that last supper that as they broke the bread together, they were looking ahead to the cross and the sacrifice that Jesus would offer. And so here, as they are meeting together and breaking bread, they're following Jesus' command once again to remember what he has done and to give thanks for what he has done. So there is so much that is going on and so much that's taking place. So they are teaching They're having fellowship together. They're breaking bread together. And then finally, we see that they are praying together. And this is one of the things that keeps cropping up in the book of Acts, how the believers come together to pray. And that's why it is so vital as a believer that you are praying, but not just praying on your own, praying with your church family. This is how you can have fellowship together, to come together and pray. 
And whenever you meet together to pray, there is a real bond that exists between the people that pray. There's a real reliance upon one another. There's a real trust that builds up with one another. Whenever we meet for prayer in Burnside, it is one of the best times whenever we come together. It always amazes me that so few people join in the prayer time of churches. And that's not just Burnside, that's right across the board. And yet they are the most significant times within a church. And they are times whenever you truly get to know each other and share in fellowship. And the early church knew it so clearly. I don't know why the church today is so reluctant to pray. Why believers are so reluctant to come together to pray. Because they are truly missing out whenever there is prayer. So in Acts 1.14, we're reminded that whenever Jesus ascended and they were told to go back and wait in Jerusalem, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And that's why it is vital that we pray. That's why it is vital that we come together in prayer. So let's bow together in prayer now and let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for all that you have taught us here about the church. And we thank you, Lord, for our part to play in the church. We pray that you would help us day by day to be part of your body here on earth and to come together in fellowship, to come together in prayer. Lord, help us to be part of a church where we listen to your teaching, where we join together in fellowship, where we break bread and rely upon one another and pray. And help us, Lord, to be your body here on earth. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.